today we get to catch up with Dr. Andy and Dr. Stephanie Fisher. They are newlyweds moving off to Chicago where Dr. Blankenship, Stephanie, will be starting her maternal fetal medicine fellowship at Northwestern, and Andy will be taking a generalist position at the University of Chicago. We're so excited for them on this next step. And as Andy puts it, you can take a listen to the PG podcast version of their residency romance. Take a listen. Oh, hey, how are you? <laughs> well, hello. hello. <laughs> the one the one link didn't work. Oh. Um, but this one did. Oh, great. Great. That's, that's all I need is one. <laughs> Get our together. Yes. Um, wonderful. Hello, Stephanie, how are you? Great. Um, how was your week? So an exciting week. It sounds like you just did a move to Chicago and starting your job and all sorts of things. So, wow. Yeah. Yep, working in Chicago now, all settled. Um, I'm starting on Monday. Oh, okay. At University of Chicago, yeah. So. Oh, fantastic! What? Yeah. Uh, that's great. So we have Dr. Andy Fisher and Dr. Stephanie Blankenship, and they have their story to tell, which is a great one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I would love to hear. I don't know if you want to start with, you know, this new horizon, or if you want to go backwards and just tell us your story <laughs> yeah it's um well stephanie and i have been married for eight months now and it's kind of a blur yeah we um for those who don't know stephanie and i were um co-residents at WashU. um i met her when i was a third year resident actually and she was an intern um and so we dated for a couple of years and then got married last september um, we're from completely different places and have very different backgrounds, but now, um, are both, um, have moved up to Chicago, um, to start kind of new chapters in our journey in, in OBGYN, um, up here. Um, yeah, so, uh, I... We'll break that down a little bit more, but that's a great <laughs> summary. <laughs> I love it. Stephanie, what are you doing? What were you doing this past week? You did not officially move to Chicago yet, right? You're still no, here. I'm, I'm just, and Andy's moved up. I'm just up visiting for the weekend. Fortunately, since that travel ban got lifted, yeah. um, I've been, I've been on nights the past couple of weeks. So just, you know, getting through the last few weeks of residency and soaking it up. Yeah. How, how does it feel? Do you feel like it's ending? Can you tell it's, it's yeah. not? I mean, I can feel like it's coming to a close. Um, I mean, it's been a it's been a funny few months. Um, have really um, shifted things around. Um, no, but I I think it's just you know enjoying um, the time we have left and spending time with people and catching up with people and um, just thinking about you know how we'll come to a close and then and then start um, a new journey in fellowship. Yeah, and so you, how much time do you have between finishing and starting your fellowship? And we have a couple of weeks. We have a couple of weeks. Couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And you are not going to be at University of Chicago. No, right? I'll be so at gonna... I'll be at Northwestern for MFM. Right, great. Congratulations you. on your fellowship. Um, so when you started as an intern, um, first of all, can you tell us a little more where you're from, Stephanie? Um, what brought you to St. Louis and um, yeah. Um, so I was I was uh, born and raised uh, 
a little north of Washington, D.C. Um, so I always say I'm from D.C., just has spent time in the, the DMV, Maryland, Northern Virginia area. Um, but my, I mean, my family's in Florida now and I've bounced around. Um, I've lived a lot of different places across the country. Um, but I mean, I came to St. Louis just looking for a place in residency where I get a great well-rounded experience and, um, uh, a very diverse, um, sick and acute population to take care of, um, and, but get great medical and surgical training in a place where people are just down to earth and, enjoyed working together and, and be a um, positive, cohesive working environment. So I came to, came to Washington and it just felt like a, a great fit. Excellent. And did you know you wanted to do MFM at that time? Oh, no. I, I came to residency and said, oh, you know, I don't like OB that much. I can, I can you know, get by, but I really liked UAN. Um, so it was the polar opposite. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I liked UAN because, I, I mean, I did my, um, an MPH during medical school and, um, like, how I became interested in OBGYN was very much from a preventative and public health perspective. So I thought GYN offered a lot and I, I really liked surgery. Um, but then WashU was a very OB heavy place. Um, but I, I just fell in love with um, taking care of the OB patients. A lot of the, you know, the young, healthy woman became very, very sick. Um, and that was very interesting to me. Um, and so anyway, I did a 180 and, and we'll be doing a lot of OB and MFM. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting about the public health though and preventive medicine. There's so much, you know, so much we still need to do for our young women who who come in to care at this time, right? And um, that's almost like a perfect fit for your previous MPH and, yeah. and your interest there. I think a lot of opportunities from a maternal health standpoint, certainly. Yeah, great. Um, and were you expecting to meet this? <laughs> guy Andy. No, I mean, I, tell us about the first time you met him. I mean, I remember, I remember match day and I was like, well, I don't know what's gonna, you know, happen in St. Louis, but I feel like something great's about to happen. Um, so I remember meeting Andy, he was wearing a flannel shirt at Morgan. Morgan, um, we had like a, one of the labor team dinners before we all started. I started as a labor days intern. Um, so Andy was okay. there cause he was the third year on nights. So I guess part of like the labor nights team. Um, slash pager but um mm -hmm. anyway he was I remember him like sitting on the edge of a couch in, in a flannel shirt and I think he I mean still had no idea who I was um <laughs> and I think my first interactions with him as a resident were like me calling him on a weekend call and I think I called him every time I had to like bolus a little old onk lady for <laughs> permission for my upper level um so he I think he thought I was ridiculous um, but I think, I don't know, we were out with them. I was out with like Heather and Kelsey and friends, um, you know, on a weekend and Andy was out in the Grove and just kind of hung out and got along and mm -hmm. went from there. And Andy, how, how do you tell the story? <laughs> it was pretty much that. I, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, the PG podcast version. No, we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we had crossed paths a few times in residency, but we didn't, um, obviously I knew how, how smart she was and how attractive she was, but, um, it wasn't until, yeah, we were all hanging out in a group together later on that year that, you know, we just kind of got more comfortable getting to know each other better. Um, I was obviously very nervous about, uh, you know, asking out an intern, <laughs> potentially starting a relationship. So I had to pursue some consultation from, from friends and, and, 
folks in the department, like Dr. Strand, um, to make sure that it would be okay. Um, and, you know, actually it was, it was very nice kind of leading into um, our chief year because, uh, you know, my class was certainly very supportive of kind of making things work from a, um, a standpoint of making sure there were no conflicts of interest. Um, I mean, the, the, the chemistry was just very easy and the relationship mm-hmm. part was very easy, but actually making sure that, um, you know, we didn't put each other in a, in a, yeah, professionally compromising <laughs> position was kind of a, a, a strange consideration, but actually everyone was very supportive and, and helping very us lucky. figure out how to make, make sure that, um, that all happened. Okay. So we were very lucky from that standpoint and over a short period of time that just became an afterthought and we could yeah. move on with things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, right? If you like the, these professionalism boundaries are obviously extremely important to address and that's, but it, um, I don't know, it's pretty hard to work as closely as we do together and, you know, yeah. just not have things happen. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. That's um, one way to look at it. um well Andy where are you from where did you um how did you end in St. Louis yeah um yeah my my journey was just kind of hopping from from point a to point b really um Mm -hmm. I remember being in high school and this is when the human genome project was starting to kick off and so I got really interested in genetics and and biotechnology and so um I went to University of Pennsylvania for for biomedical engineering in college um, and then did cardiovascular research, actually, for a couple of years after that, Um, but uh, didn't enjoy being stuck in a lab all that much. So decided that probably medical school would be a better option um, for me. And so went back to Penn for medical school. maybe partly because of kind of the interest in genetics and everything got very interested in, in um, reproductive endocrinology and infertility. Um, I was working with Kurt Barnhart at Penn, um, Clarissa Gracia, and they were just very motivated and very inspirational people. And one of the fellows who was starting there when I was um, in my last year of medical school was Kate O'Neill, who was a former WashU um, grad. And so kind of talking with her and networking through her, I checked out WashU and fell in love with it. It was just, it was a perfect fit and um, the personality of the department and their commitment to research and training and education were exactly what I was looking for. So um, I ranked them number one and, and got lucky and matched at WashU and um, and then the rest was history. <laughs> no, I don't yeah. do Aria now, of course, but. Uh, right. So talk us through that, um, kind of that decision. Cause I, rem- I do remember <laughs> as in, when you were an intern, you were very committed and uh, yeah. I, I'm a, you know, former REI committer <laughs> too. So, you know, we can all go in different ways. Yeah. That's part of the the greatness of all the options we have as OBGYNs, right? Yeah. But um, how'd that work out? Well, for me, it was, um, I, ju- I just couldn't kind of settle on one thing at the end of the day. Yeah. And I love I yeah. doing surgery, which I didn't really have any appreciation for before residency. Um, but I loved working with my hands and being very hands-on. Um, and so 
you know, I knew that I, I ultimately wouldn't be um, completely satisfied um, uh, doing REI all day long, although it's, it's an incredible um, passion. And I love talking with my patients now about their fertility issues and, and treatment options. Um, but for me, I just, I, I needed to be kind of cerebral and hands-on um, mm-hmm. operatively. Um, and I really enjoyed, you know, um, talking with women about kind of their simpler issues, day-to-day lives, um, how, you know, their gynecologic health impacts their relationships, their family lives, their relationships with their children. Um, you know, I, I have three younger sisters and, and one of my favorite patient visits to this day is when moms bring in their, you know, daughters to just talk about contraception. Um, that's just a very kind of comfortable environment for me and a comfortable conversation to have, mm-hmm. which some people might think is strange for a, a male uh, gynecologist to be talking with, you know, a teenage girl about contraception, but um, it's actually something I have, you know, personal experience with. And so it's very easy um, and comfortable for me to do that. And I, I enjoy that. So. Okay. And how important it is to start those conversations early and hear that from men too, mm-hmm. I think. Um, Tell us, tell us about that growing up with three younger <laughs> sisters. And I mean, you probably weren't always comfortable with these conversations. <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, no, not always. Um, <laughs> I mean, not to say that I, I go around talking about, you know, birth control and, 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 and menstrual cycles and fertility planning with my sisters, but, um, but, you know, we're a very open and frank family. And so mm-hmm. I think just always having that kind of skill set of, um, why I think of it as a skill set now of just being able to, um, you know, talk to, to females, young females, older females, um, just about anything going on in their lives. And then that's kind of the difficult part of, I think, being a doctor is just establishing a connection with people. It's very easy to give people medical information, but mm-hmm. giving it to them in a way that, you know, you can build that rapport with them so that they'll listen to you and trust you is, is the more difficult part. So, um, so having that relationships, those relationships earlier in life was um, something that I found very, very useful and easy to translate into into my practice today. Great. Um, you know, I think one thing that is uh, one thing maybe we can talk about a little bit is how the trend about the gender differences in OBGYN applicants now, right? Mm-hmm. We, I think it's becoming predominantly more women and um, we are always happy to have men in our residency program, but did you uh, tell us about, you know, being on the, not <laughs> on so the other end of it. Side of things. Yeah. yeah. A, a somewhat of a minority for the first time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, absolutely. There's challenges, you know, um, anybody who's been in the, in this field as a male, can tell you that there are challenges there. I mean, simply put, there are, you know, patients have their preferences and the majority of patients prefer to get care from, from women. Um, and, and that's just something that we've, you know, all males in our field have had to work around at some point in their career. Um, you know, people have always said, if I actually had a lot of people tell me, um, both in medical school and in residency, that if I didn't subspecialize, I would never have patients. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the theory is just that, you know, if you're a subspecialist, 
Um, like in your field, for example, you know, patients just want to get the best care from the best specialist and, mm-hmm. and they don't think about gender. Um, and that may be true to some degree, but, you know, I found it, yes, it's a little bit harder to, you know, when I was in, um, a medical group private practice after residency for two years, I definitely built slower than my female colleagues who were coming out um, at the same time as me. But I also found that there are a lot of patients who actually enjoy having a a, a male provider and a, and a male perspective. Um, and I felt that the patients I had um, really appreciated me um, as their as their physician. Uh, in a much um, kind of more individual, personal way, um, mm-hmm. where I almost felt like I wasn't as um, interchangeable with other female physicians. You know, they really felt like I, there was something different about me and maybe that had in part to do with um, being a male. Maybe it just had to do with um, as a male general obstetrician gynecologist, I you know, at least felt maybe this was not true, but I at least felt like I had to work a little bit harder to, to earn their trust and to, to build patients and retain patients. Um, not to say that I was trying to game the system, but, you know, I think there is always that little bit extra of urgency and, you know, perhaps that leads you to want to spend a little more time talking and getting to know them. And, and that's just kind of in the building. And then that just kind of creates a relationship that you have with the patient that becomes very easy and natural afterwards. So I think it does create a little bit of a different um, culture for me as a provider um, on the mm-hmm. back end, but it's a very real consideration that we, that we deal with. Um, it just requires a little bit of extra patience, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you definitely have that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're a very patient and <laughs> You know, it, it's sure. always very easy to talk to. Yeah. Um, and Stephanie, on the flip side, um, you know, have you experienced any, I mean, we'll just go there. Like we're talking to a man and a woman here. So <laughs> any gender biases that you've experienced or, you know, had to work through being a young woman physician? No, I mean, I think as Andy referenced, I think there's, you know, the majority of women, I think, these days or in the younger generation have a perception that their OBGYN is going to be a woman or, or mm-hmm. feel more comfortable. Um, I think there's a lot of, um, um, I don't know, sexual health norms might not be the way to put it. But I know, like, when, I w- when Andy was a resident, he was famous for having the quote-unquote crazy clinic patients. And, it, and I think out I in think private practice, in, <laughs> in private practice, he still gets like the quote, unquote, you know, like not not politically correct way to say it. But for the record, we don't call any patients crazy. No, That's, no, no, not for sure. Not, but sure. like, um, I think he what the patients that were drawn to him, and even after, um, he graduated, the were the women who had come from very bad home environments or been treated with a lot of, um, you know, a lot of physical trauma or sexual trauma and whatnot, and so they were drawn to a sensitive, caring male physician who was yeah. treating them well and caring, providing really good care and a positive experience. Um, and took the time to listen yeah. maybe for the first time in their life. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, I think he was very notable for that. And I mean, I, I think I met one of his patients the past year that, I mean, he's been out for two years and um, this patient was 
she I think she had a ruptured ectopic and was very insistent that Dr. Fisher was the only doctor who could take care of her. And I fortunately was on the green team at that time. And someone advertised, well, you know, Dr. Fisher's wife is going to come take care of you. <laughs> and I think, I don't think I, we were, I don't think we were even married. I was still going by Blankenship at the time. And I just, mm-hmm. you know, boldly introduced myself as Dr. Fisher. And then she agreed to go to surgery. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, unfortunately, I don't, fortunately, I don't think I've had to encounter, um, you know, the difficulties that that male providers um, do. I think it's just a social acceptance. But I mean, I've met so many women I've taken care of where they said, you know, oh, I never wanted to see a male. And then I met Dr. So-and-so, you know, male provider (laughs) and, you know, completely changed my perspective. And I like, you know, I liked him a lot better because he listened more or, you know, I think had to work, you know, work harder and really show um, how much they care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I wonder if these like these biases from patients are very interesting. And then I wonder if there's like a whole different set of biases from other providers or just like the medical field in general in our acceptance of women and men in different specialties. I think it's, there's a lot to unpack there, but it's very, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I I don't know. I'm glad that I'm glad you're both in this field. (laughs) (laughs) We need every, we need everyone, right? But yeah, and it's actually nice to be. Um, I you know, I have my own consult here. Not only if I have you know questions about high risk obstetrics, but just you know about how to handle certain situations or certain interactions with patients that can be, you know, um, difficult or even just kind of personally emotionally draining. It's really nice to have that. Um, support system and that sounding board you know in our own home absolutely yeah fabulously useful for sure (laughs) yes um well stephanie what do you hope um you know what are your hopes for fellowship are you do you have certain areas that you're very interested in right now and i know it's an open slate as you start a new chapter but um anything you're specifically interested in within mfm yeah i mean i like i i'm definitely more of a you know, the maternal versus the fetal. I'm definitely more of a maternal person in MFM, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely want to get stronger on the on the fetal side um, as you, you know, get more subspecialized and really hone in. Um, uh, I like periviability a lot. I like, I get really engaged in the periviability discussions and extreme preterm um, delivery. Um, I think you get very close with your patients and very intimate. And I think, you know, of all the patients I remember in residency, I mean, I can, the, the patient memories or stories I remember are definitely the ones where, you know, you spend a week taking care of the periviable patients and they have a terrible outcome. Um, but they, I mean, they just really stick out in your mind. Um, so, and I think that is always morphing as medicine gets better and res- neonatal resuscitation gets better. And so it becomes an increasingly more complex um, conversation. And I, I think the thing about MFM is it's really intense counseling. Um, and yeah. there's, yeah. there's not a right and a wrong. It's, you know, I, I feel as a provider, it's my job to make sure patients are informed without being scared, but being, or not scaring them or causing more anxiety, but um, just being informed and helping to support the patient and guide them to whatever personal uh, decision is going to them as individuals and as and within their families and um yeah so I like the period viability but I I mean I like everything I mean I 
I'm very interested in, you know, advancements in diabetes care and pregnancy as we translate more of adult medicine into um, pregnancy care and um, VT prophylaxis for pregnant women. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of research challenges in how to safely study um, what would be really beneficial treatments in pregnant women, but the limitations of can we research to the extent um, as the non-pregnant patient population. Um, so there's definitely research challenges. So I'm, I'm really excited for the research potential in fellowship and um, in a number of settings or topics. So exciting. Andy, what's your job going to be like at University of Chicago? Um, I will be an assistant professor in the general academic OBGYN um, department. Mm -hmm. So um, around probably 60% of my time will be, um, um, you know, in the clinic, um, seeing patients, um, probably about a 20% of my time I'll spend, um, you know, on labor and delivery, taking call, um, maybe a little bit more. Uh, we're trying to kind of figure out how to um, best approach sort of the recovery phase after, um, after COVID um, and planning yeah. for that. Um, but then about, you know, 20% of my time, I'll, I'll, I'll spend teaching and doing kind of talks with the residents and medical students. Um, my, everyone here has a, kind of their particular area of, of academic focus. Um, and so mine's going to be working with um, the Department of Public Health here, um, which actually has a very strong influence in, in the medical systems in Chicago, um, yeah, working great. with them to, to develop um, a more robust opioid um, use disorder evaluation and treatment program in, in our hospital um, for, for pregnant patients, um, and then hope we, we can expand that you know, a little bit too, to, to non-pregnant patients down the road. Um, but that's going to be my, my sort of, um, individual focus while I'm here. Oh, that's yeah. great. What is the mood in Chicago? Because <laughs> um, we're there this weekend. How does it feel? Like how, you know, how do you feel Chicago? Oh, it's... Any differences? COVID, Chicago versus St. Louis right now? Oh, it's that you very can probably different. Feel? I mean, this is a city yeah. that, you know, they live outdoors and they live by the lakeside and, um, it's particularly hard now because this is the season when really everyone starts to get outdoors more. Um, so, you know, we spend a lot of time kind of taking walks and, and, you know, socially distancing, meeting our neighbors and um, it's just a different way. To... What does that look like? Yeah. Socially distancing, meeting your neighbors. Face masks right mask and like waves. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a challenge. Um, it's 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 strange um you know we'll we'll be walking our dog up and down the street and people <laughs> will you know either cross to the other side of the road or just start walking in the middle of the street to try to avoid because everyone is i think just it's a very friendly city but people just want to be very respectful and they don't know how you feel about you know things and so mm -hmm. it's it's just a, it's it's a different way to you know, explore and, and integrate into a city that we were already kind of familiar with. And we know it as this very robust and fun city and it's just, it's just different, but um, they, this week will be entering phase three. So there'll be more, um, okay. you know, outdoor dining and there's a plan to 
block off certain streets so that they can do outdoor dining and not be so crammed together. Um, and so that'll be a really fun thing, I think, to see as that starts to unfold. Um, but we haven't been on the water yeah. yet. That's, <laughs> that's what <laughs> we're that's I'm sure goal. Yeah. 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 Huh. <clears throat> well, I hope it is a smooth transition, as smooth as it can be right mm-hmm. now. I know it's going to be just different, but you'll take it. You, I mean, you've come through a lot already. Yeah, so. this will be it. This will this just is, be a memory. This is fine. Yeah. This will be a memory. Yeah. Um, uh, well, Andy, before you had talked mm-hmm. about motivate being motivated by a couple of people, you know, an REI at Penn mm-hmm. and um, just finding motivation along the way. I don't know. What do you say to motivate younger people? Like if people are listening to podcasts, just starting their residency or kind of coming through a tough time, how do you guys motivate the younger generation or just your peers around mm-hmm. you? I know you do. You both are very motivating to me and inspiring people. So how do you do it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't know that I have a specific method or <laughs> pep talk or anything like that that works. I, um, I, you know, I just tell the students and residents I work with, um, particularly medical students who are still trying to figure out what, what they want to be, um, and even younger high school students, college students. Um, I know it's cheesy, but I think someone very early on in my life said, just pick, you know, pick the career, pick something that you love doing and you'll never work in a day in your life. And, and I think that's incredibly true, especially in medicine, because there's, so much fatigue and and burnout that can set in very quickly. But, you know, truly, if you love what you're doing, it's, it's easy to do, you know, when we get called in the middle of the night for deliveries or for emergency surgery, you know, you better love what you're doing. Otherwise you're not going to get out of bed. Um, And I think that just brings in its own motivation. Um, And always be looking back on yourself and your life and asking yourself if, you know, are you happy with what you're doing? Um, and are you where you thought you would be by now? And just mm-hmm. having that sort of self-reflective process um, can help ground you and, and help you figure out what 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 your next steps are. Um, I think, uh, you know, that's what did it for me when I was in medical school. I, you know, OBGYN mm-hmm. was the only rotation that I really, truly loved every part of. Um, and so for me, it was an easy decision. It wasn't that I wanted to get into just infertility, for example, um, Mm -hmm, but that was the, you know, that was just part of the journey, but, um, but yeah, I would say just, you know, figure out what makes you happy. You know, the, it's the medicine shouldn't just be a job. It should be a, a a passion. Stephanie, I think, you know, I, I look, I think about back when I was deciding to go into medicine and, um, you know, it, it comes back to the question of, you know, what do you want your purpose to be and what impact do you want to make? And I think every day it's waking up with a sense of purpose and having a positive attitude and um, carrying that forward. Um, I think about, um, you know, yeah, find, finding what you love and making that a part of your everyday life. I, um, when I was deciding to go into medicine, I was a high school, um, I was a high school senior and I um, had spent my senior year of high school in Spain. Um, um, but then 
um, had traveled a whole bunch through Central America, and I loved the Spanish language and how it would connect me to, to broader populations. I loved the Latin American culture. Um, I mean, subsequently went to college and med school in L.A. and Miami um, and working in healthcare centers there. But, um, you know, through my travels, um, especially in Central America, had really seen how women were kind of the center of their community and the strength of their families and communities. Um, and so I said, you know, I, I want to take care of the woman. Um, and so, you know, that was going to be my sense of, of purpose in my professional <laughs> life or the kind of social impact I wanted to make. Um, and so just remembering, you know, what, what's your purpose and um, remembering despite, you know, challenges or despite, you know, the everyday, you know, um, getting through residency and medical school and whatnot, um, you know, staying positive and, and knowing that, um, like, how it is that you're going to make a difference. Those are definitely words of wisdom, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's bring it back to music. Andy, what was your walk-up song? You had a uh, traditional graduation. From Justin Timberlake, yeah. I yeah. asked him this morning. He was like, I have no yeah. idea. Um, <laughs> yep. Clearly, these are memorable <laughs> events, right? No, it was, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, I think it was Justin Timberlake. I, I can't know. remember what song. I think it was Justin Timberlake. You'd have to ask Patty Sassy. <laughs> um, like, which Justin Timberlake song would it have been, do you think? I think it was Can't Stop the Feeling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably, probably I have a one. slight recollection that <laughs> I feel like I remember. That's cute. Don't ask That's me cute. why I chose it. I, I think I was just down to the deadline, and that's what I was listening <laughs> to at the time. <laughs> Yeah, there wasn't a lot of like me like JT. Yeah, fun. Yeah. (laughs) How about you, Stephanie? Well, I would probably pick the same song. That was our wedding walk-in song, like to our reception. Uh It was. I I probably would pick that song. Yeah, that's great. It just makes you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Can't stop the feeling. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. (laughs) Fantastic. Have you guys seen Trolls? Trolls the World Tour. Uh, negative. But it okay. just popped up on um, Hulu or, or Amazon Prime we'll, or something. We'll, add it to so the we'll have to yeah. check it out. A lot of JT in there. We don't so. have children yet, no. so right, right, right. A lot of young nieces and nephews, so we'll watch it one day. Well, in this movie, yeah. don't not to spoil it, but it you know it explores uh, kind of a similar theme of like all you know, everyone has their strengths, but this is about like different types of music and how all different types of music, like there's a quest to make one type of music, the only type of music we listen to. And then, (laughs) um, but actually it turns out, right. As always, that if you actually give a listen to all the types of music, the world is a little better place. So, um, (laughs) <laughs> but you know jt is still featured extremely strongly throughout the movie so yeah character, so. but because if there had to be one type of music it would it would, be... it would probably be Justin. <laughs> <laughs> he's a winner <laughs> all right we'll check it out fantastic yeah oh well enjoy your weekend i don't want to keep you um <laughs> too much longer because you have a very small amount of time together but I'm so happy for both of you and I just wish you both the best in your new chapter and so glad you can be together and yeah. Stephanie, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It's this been, was a lot great. of fun. We're going to St. Louis for sure and watch <laughs> yeah. you, but oh, we're very lucky. But we'll uh, be back. <clears throat> if you're ever in Chicago, please, please let us know. Oh yeah. We're, um, 
So are you living in between Northwestern and, and U of Chicago or where did no, you? No, that's not okay. the way this, this not, compromise okay. worked. No, okay. we're living in Lakeview. So, um, North of downtown. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, Polar opposite of Hyde Park. No, it's a, it's a very nice kind of it's residential. pseudo residential urban neighborhood. It's lovely. It's really nice. Yeah. Uh, so what is that? Modern walking distance. Your commute. Andy mine will be it's a 30 minute drive down Lakeshore Drive so it's very nice but our call is all in-house so um, once you're there yeah so once you're there you're there so I didn't have to worry so much about the actual you know being within 30 minutes of the hospital and and those such rules so um so it's actually really nice um uh set up um in that in that respect because Stephanie will have some kind of at-home um call that she has to do so we had to be a little bit closer for her sure yeah yeah well all the best and i know thank you andrea absolutely stephanie's a little more shy on the on the phone in the podcast so this is (laughs) this is all you this is andy and stephanie fisher uh former and soon to be former washu residents um, now um, relocated to Chicago, Illinois. Um, here to share with you our story of how we got to be where we are and and how we uh, how we became a couple in in, in medicine and OBGYN. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. This well, was a lot of fun. Definitely, watch the trolls. Um, <laughs> now, Trolls World Tour is like the sequel to the other trolls. Yeah, we'll have to go back and watch the first one, obviously. But that's where Can't Stop the Feeling came from. So, it's yeah. like you have to watch it for your wedding song. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sure to do that. We're doing things we'll put that on the itinerary for the day. Yeah, <laughs> but hopefully you can actually spend some time in the water sometime soon. So. Yeah, that'd be great. All well, right, thank you so much. Um, we had a blast. <laughs> thank you. Good to catch up. All right. We'll talk to you, you soon. soon.